So, we have the talents that were given to the servants. And a talent uh, is, a, is, is wages for 6,000 days. If a, if a day's wages are, let's say, 80 bucks, then a talent is roughly a half million dollars. So the first servant is entrusted with $5 million, and then $2.5 million, and then $1 million. Whoa! So the story Jesus is telling sets up some pretty high stakes in the mind of uh, the listener. This, this is a big deal Jesus is describing here. Another aspect of this that I believe would have been familiar uh, to the hearer are the circumstances themselves. It was common for those who were rich in these times to have to maintain their wealth or acquire new wealth um, by, by traveling. They were, they were merchants who, who sold and, and bought and traded wherever the valuables were. To do so would often require leaving home. And travel was very uncertain, at least the time uh, involved. So they would have to leave their home in the hands of, of someone to manage it. And this responsibility often fell on the servants. So Jesus is painting for us here, as is his custom with parables, a feasible, understandable picture. But what is Jesus teaching us here? Well, I think he's teaching us that there is work to be done. Hear me. There is work to be done. Do you ever think about your life with God in such a way? That there is work to be done? I, I tend to think of it something like this. So, just go with me uh, for a minute. We are made in God's image. And, and two, God is creative. This is evidence first and foremost in the, in the beauty and majesty of the world we live in. We're made in God's image and, and God is creative. God created the world in its fullness. And next, being made in God's image and, and living in God's world, God designed us to experience joy as God experiences joy, namely in us being creative. Therefore, we've been created with the ability to create things, to, to make things happen. We, we have the freedom to do so. And why would we do so? Well, two reasons. Uh, to please the Creator and, and to bless one another. Now, I just threw a lot at you right there, and I'm not going to repeat those things, that progression, but that's one of the benefits we have with online worship is that you can pause it and rewind it if you missed any of that, or just want to go back and uh, and hear it, because I think I think that's important to what we're trying to to see in this story. We now we have to be careful when we say things like "please the Creator," you know, "please the Creator" and "bless others." Well, please the Creator, while true, our, our desire to please cannot be to merit reward. Rather, we we please or, or we are obedient because of what God has already done for us in Jesus. We must understand that distinction. To do so is to properly understand the nature of God's grace. And by God's grace, we've all been given life. And with this life, there's work to be done. That's what I think God's trying to teach us here. Now within this, there are ways in which we are all alike, and there are ways in which we are all different. Look at our story. The, the servants were different in that they were entrusted with, with different values of talents. While we determined that uh, each was a big amount, they were different. Five million, two million, half million. Now, 
Now, they were all alike in their mandate. They were, they were told upon the master's return that, that they were to be held accountable for what was entrusted to them. So, for the servants, in the meantime, while the, while the master had gone away, however long that ended up being, there's work to be done. You see, we've been given the blessing and the opportunity to live, to be creative, to, to make the world more like God intends for it to be. And we didn't do anything to, to make things this way. We're, we're here with work to do purely because God set it up that way. Sheer, unmerited grace. Life's a gift. I, I've never seen this more clearly than at midnight on August the 8th, 2008. We left 963 Drawn Avenue, where we lived, around midnight to go check into Baptist Hospital. It was Baptist Hospital at the time. And for insurance reasons, if you, if you'd come in for the, if you came in for an induction the night, you know, right at midnight, you get to stay in the hospital longer, or you didn't get charged for an extra day. I, I can't remember. Anyway, by 2 a.m., Leslie Ann had Pitocin, I think is how you say it, going through an IV into her. By 4 a.m., they were sticking her with a needle that was like this long that nearly caused me to pass out on the floor. They call it an epidural. I, I haven't gotten near one of those needles uh, since. For our next three children, I just took a walk and, and got a milkshake. Goodness, that, that was a, a long needle. And by 10.14 a.m., we were the parents of a beautiful baby boy, James Howell Owen. And my first thought after Dr. Presley confirmed all the toes and the, and the fingers my first thought was that this child was not mine, but God's, a pure gift. And, and he was not even his own, but God's. He has purpose. For however long he is in God's world, he, he has purpose. And our job as parents is to help him along in that purpose. But ultimately, he belongs to God, loaned to us. Now, juxtaposed with this incredible feeling of becoming a parent and all that I was experiencing in the moment was the fear of the unknown about being a parent, the the TV in the delivery room was showing Larry King's uh, show. He was interviewing um, the family of Stephen Curtis Chapman. They were on his guests. And you may remember sometime before this time, they had experienced an unspeakable tragedy. One of their children, a daughter, had died in a, in a terrible freak accident at their home. Just a horrible story. And they were on Larry King's show testifying to God's goodness even in the midst of unspeakable tragedy. The elation of parenthood and, and the devastation that it can become, all right there in front of us. Life giving and, and, and taking away, yet the Chapman family right there on TV testifying that still blessed be the name of Jesus. We are all alike in that we are called to do the work. We are all alike in our dependency on God. But our circumstances do differ. We are different in the opportunities that are open to us. Humankind has not been created equal in this regard. I, I remember being in the locker room near the end of my high school basketball career. And it may have been at, at halftime of, of what would have been the game that that would have eliminated us from the, the postseason tournament uh, that we were in, and that would have ended our, our careers, those of us who were seniors. And one of my teammates, who happened to be black, got really emotional in that moment, and, and he challenged me 
saying that I did not understand, that I didn't understand why this losing in that game was so important to him. I'll never forget what he said to me with tears streaming down his face. He says, you get to move on from here, Brandon. You get to do other things. This is all I've got. This is all I've got. I had no idea as an 18-year-old what he meant. Who told him that was, that was all he had? Who, who told him he could, he could not go do or, or be what, whatever he wanted to? Who, who told me I could? In reflecting on this story, Jesus' story here in Matthew 25, this is what I know. A wildly creative God has created us, all of us. And we share in God's joy when we share in God's work. As the late Reverend John Claypool put it, when we intimate with our powers what we see God doing with God's powers. There is work to be done. There is work to be done. We imitate what we see God doing. Ultimately, we will all be asked if we did the best with what we had. Did we, did we use our power and our freedom? Effectively, do we use it as Jesus did? You see, Jesus was a man for others because, because God is about blessing others. So in emulating His Father, Jesus was too. He, he sought to please His Father and bless others, and we are, be, we are to be about others as well. I, I know that sounds simple. I, I know I may sound like a broken record. Every week coming through your TV screen telling us to love others better, love others better. But we have to. That is the work we have to do. I like to think of the investment made by the first two servants who were lauded by their master. I like to think of their investment not in economic terms. And and maybe I'm stretching it here, but I don't think so. What if their investment was their family, their community, their their church, the poverty, health care, and education gaps in the society in which they lived? What if their investment were in society's ills that leave some, like my high school teammate, feeling like their well of opportunity is dry? See, the consequences for miscalculating the work to be done are severe. The servant who did not invest well is, is said to be cast into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, graphic imagery, yikes. Now, bear in mind, this is not describing a fate that God would ever delight in. Hear me, God does not delight in whatever it is that you may think separates you from God. You are not unlovable. The servant who who squandered what was given him let his fear of how he understood his master how he understood his master to be, it rendered him unable to try. And God's not like that. You will not be dealt with harshly by God who is who's loving and, and merciful. God has displayed this mercy by sending Jesus to show us how to live and die in our place so that we can fully live because there is work to be done. The severe imagery here, I believe, is is meant to emphasize the importance 
of us recognizing what God is like and then, and then emulating that. In other words, the importance of being a disciple, of, of following Jesus well. Not, not simply announcing to the world we are following Jesus, but, but actually bearing the fruit that is born of following Jesus. Miroslav Volf, he, he said this this week. He said, if we hadn't learned the lesson from Jesus, the pandemic should have brought it home to us. Nobody becomes great, not an individual and not a nation, by caring only for themselves. Caring for ourselves alone diminishes us even when we seem bigger than anyone else around. Y'all, the world is hurting right now. In so many ways, racial inequality, fears of of COVID, unemployment resulting from a fragile economy, just to name a few. My goodness, there is work to do. And the work to be done is found in the myriad ways we have right in front of us to care well for one another. There's an old legend, a story that has bounced around the church for, uh, for many years now. And it tells of a time where Jesus and his disciples were, they were out doing ministry. And they were uh, going to be out all day and it was in the morning. And Jesus said, I want you to carry a stone for me. And the implication was they would be carrying it around with them. And Peter, the uh, ever the resourceful type, he decided that he was going to pick up uh, the smallest stone he could find because they would be <laughs> carrying it. And uh, as it happened, it came to about lunchtime and they were getting hungry and Jesus stopped and he said, okay, let's have a seat. And he said, throw your stones down on the, on the ground. And he, he turned each of those stones into, into lunch. And they had lunch. Now, lunch was proportionate to the size of stone you picked up. And so Peter was really disappointed uh, with his lunch, and he remained pretty hungry, but it was what it was. And so they, they set out to, to continue in their day, and, and before they did, Jesus gave them the same instruction. He said, I want you to carry a stone for me. And so Peter, this time, not to, not to make the same mistake, he looked around, and he found a, a small boulder that he hoisted up you know, into his arms and, and labored with all afternoon and just really struggled and, and finally came uh, to the time when it was about supper time. And, and again, Jesus had the disciples stop. And this time they were near the river and he instructed them instead of what he did at lunch, he instructed them to, to throw their stones into the water. And then Jesus said, follow me. Well, Peter was distraught. Uh, Jesus, you, you didn't turn these stones into, into our dinner. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, who were you carrying it for? There's work to do. Let's do it. Let's seek to please Jesus and follow Him blessing others. Let's pray.